0: angels we invest in people
1: i tell them this is your wine safe
2: space and any questions
1: are allowed we know all of the really good places to go to on the strip or off the
0: strip
2: we may see a sign but then there's an action we can take when we trust that inner knowing
0: want to patent your invention the chance is near
2: you've given it part now get it in gear it's passage
3: to profit with richard and elizabeth gearhart this is Richard Gearhart and
4: Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome
3: to Passage to Profit, the inventor show where we talk about small businesses, entrepreneurs, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish.
4: And if we got a great lineup today. We do. Our small. first
3: guest will be Sandy Wolman, who is an angel investor and will be talking about money and why it's good. <laughs>
4: I guess some people need to hear that. (laughs) No, but he's the guy you go to for help when you want to get your business to the next level. And who
3: else do we have on the show?
4: I'm really happy about this. We have Brianne Cohen. So how do you do a wine tasting now? I, I went to her website. Very cool ideas there about virtual wine tastings. Catherine Kelly, have you ever been to Las Vegas and wondered where to eat? Well, wonder no more. And Alicia Myronik. And I don't know how to explain this, but do you ever have weird things happen to you?
3: Um, do you have a lot of weird things happening to you?
4: Well, I do live with you, dear. <laughs> anyway. I saw maybe. that
3: coming by the way.
4: <laughs> maybe they're not so weird. I can't explain what she does, but it's very cool. You gotta hear this because I've never heard anything like it.
3: Stay tuned and you'll hear lots of weird things. <laughs>
4: Okay. So I do want to talk about something that's not quite so weird, but it's about intellectual property. We call ah, this segment IP in the news. This is
3: one of my favorite segments.
4: Right. So who got the most patents in 2020? Like who's uh, gotten the most me, patents every year cool. for the last 20 years?
3: Let me guess the U S government. Wrong. IBM.
4: IBM. That's so right. IBM got the most patents issued to it in 2020. So these patents were filed probably about three years ago and they just issued in 2020 How many patents do you think they got?
3: I would guess, just by looking at my cheat sheet here, that they got 9,130.
4: 9,000 patents in a year. Wow, that's a lot of work.
3: They have changed their business model a lot. Instead of making hardware, they're offering business services, and that involves a lot of intellectual property.
4: And the fastest growing category overall of patents being issued is determined by codes that the patent office uses. And IBM got almost 3,000 patents in this category, it is titled Computer Systems Based on Biological. Models. So, what that is is the neural networks that people are using for programming based on how the brain works.
3: Artificial intelligence is just exploding now in tech. And so, really, it's being integrated into so many different projects, websites, software. And I'm sure IBM is really strong in that technical area.
4: And Microsoft came in number four, Intel number five, Apple number eight, Amazon 11. Anyway, you can see the list if you go online. So I got this from fortune.com. The article was written by Jeff John Roberts. So thank you very much, Jeff. We really appreciate this information. Yeah,
3: thanks for pulling all of this information together. And once again, people in the tech community too often think that intellectual property is a sideshow or it's secondary. But the giants who are really doing a lot of innovation are protecting their innovations now. And so it's just something to keep in mind. If you're an entrepreneur, having a patent can do a lot for you. Some companies actually will purchase your patent. Google has a purchase patent program, for example. So it's all something that you need to keep in the back of your mind.
4: Right. Well, this year the PTO did extra service for inventors where it has a place on its site where you can find out people who want to license patents. And so it kind of matches up inventors and
1: licensees.
3: That is such a great idea because there are so many inventors that have good technology technologies and they just can't find a way to get it to the market. But if they put it on the site, maybe somebody who can will take an interest.
4: So now on to Pat and Palooza. This is our fun with IP.
3: Yes, something completely different. So um, (laughs) I'm not exactly sure how to introduce this because speaking of weird, it is a little on the weird side. It's four men. Have you ever been
4: really three sheets to the wind and had to go use a urinal?
3: Not ever. <laughs> not in, not no, ever in my this life. This guy's
4: got the invention for you.
3: The inventor is Eric Page. And if you go to our Passage to Profit website or our YouTube channel.
4: Or Instagram.
3: Or Instagram, you'll be able to see a picture of the invention. But it's pretty easy to explain. The inventor invented a headrest where you plant your forehead that is attached to the wall above a urinal. So (laughs) you can lean forward if you're a guy and and steady yourself while you're doing your business there. And so personally, (laughs) I've never really felt the need to use something like that. But I suppose if you're in a bar.
4: Well, the people around you may have thought you needed it. I don't
3: know. (laughs) And I guess it just helps you aim Some of the raunchy bars I've been in, uh, I would be a little worried about putting my forehead against the wall for any number of reasons, but it's there. And there's two interesting things about this patent. The first was that he filed it in Europe as well as the United States. So I don't know if maybe he hopes to find a market there. I suppose Europeans have some of the same issues along those lines as Americans. And the other piece is that this patent was cited against two other urinal headrest patents. A
4: lot of men have this problem.
3: So I guess this is going to become a thing where men are always talking about how they need extra support. And I think this is a good example of the type of support men need.
4: With that, we get to introduce our guest. Oh, no. Uh, How do you follow that, Sandy? Well,
0: we need to segue. You can't follow something like that. I just think that invention is about the 40 years too late for my use. That's
3: So Sandy is one of these guys. I've only known him for a short period of time, but once you get to know him, you instantly feel like he's a great guy to know. But before we get started with the interview, I'd like to just say a few things about Sandy. He is the co-founder and director of the Westchester Angels, which If you're not familiar with angel investing, private people who invest money in startups, we'll be talking to him about angel investing. But in addition, he also has an incredibly distinguished career. He's a partner in Karna Mills, which is a large textile converting company with clients like Ralph Lauren and the guest company, the company that makes guest jeans. And he is also a product development manager or was a product development engineer working at 3M. And he got a patent, yippee, on improved type of Velcro. And he worked next to Art Fry, who was the inventor of the uh, post-it note. And beyond all of this, or in addition... He's an athlete. He's swam three triathlons. He's swum around Manhattan.
4: Ironman triathlon.
3: Ironman triathlon. Swam around Manhattan, and as far as we know, didn't pick up too many diseases. And he's <laughs> also swam the English Channel. He was the 470th person to swim the English Channel. And so, Sandy, my first question is what do you think about when you're swimming the English Channel? Think about getting to France. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that is truly amazing. Like that
0: is Thank a you. lifetime. Yeah. It was it was a very long day. Next time <laughs> I want to go from England to France, I'm going to take the Channel. It's a lot. Easier. <laughs> but uh, what you think about is you know when you're swimming in open water, it's not like you're running or you're biking. Uh, you can't use any of your senses. It's like putting your brain in a box and putting it underwater. It's just you and you and you. And, you know, I I covered a... A lot of the problems of the universe are in that 13 (laughs) hours and six minutes. Let's talk a little bit about angel investing. You're the head of
3: the Westchester Angels. You started the group. Tell us a little bit about what angel investors do.
0: I have to tell you, it's such a fascinating space. There's no shortage of startups looking for funding, especially in the New York City and Westchester area. About 10 years ago, my financial planets became aligned. I'm very privileged, and I started a nonprofit in Westchester just to help small business owners not make some of the same mistakes I've made in business, and I spent 25 years in the garment center, and that that business had closed a while ago, and I dealt with some of the most challenging people on the planet, and I just wanted to prevent small business owners from making some of the same mistakes I made, and we help people that don't want to open up a local deli, uh, a hair salon. You mean what's an LLC? Why do I have to open up an LLC? Those kind of basic questions. And we worked through the United Way and an SBA lender, one of the largest in the area at Community Capital New York. They fed us clients and had 17 carefully vetted volunteers that weren't selling their services under our umbrella. And we helped about 65, 70 companies. And we started running into companies that had scalable business models that were suitable for angel investing. We didn't know much about angel investing. My co partner Jeff Lair and I. Literally, over a couple of beers on a Sunday, we planted the flag and said, now we're Westchester Angels. (laughs) And we treated ourselves like a startup. So back to answer your question, angel investing, we're the first people in the ladder that a startup is going to come to for funding after friends and family. So after Uncle Fred gives the grandson and the granddaughter a couple of bucks because we love you and have no idea what you're doing, we're the next ones in line. We have the most risk. Uh, We're dealing with a lot of pre-revenue companies. Sometimes we're dealing with revenue companies that are just coming up the right side of the hockey stick. There's a little bit of revenue, so there's some market validation. So it's, you know, everybody knows about Shark Tank on TV, and Shark Tank's done a really good job of educating the public about what angel investing is about, but we're real-life angel investors, and we fund startups from A to Z. It's a really fascinating space. There's over 100 accelerators and incubators in Manhattan alone. It's a tremendous feeding system for the angel groups in the New York area. In addition to running the Westchester Angels, I also started an initiative called the New York Area Angel Alliance, which brings together all of the leaders of all of the angel groups in the tri-state area, the Golden Seeds, the 37 Angels, the Gangels, the Harvard Business uh, Alumni School. And we all get together every month for monthly deal flow calls. So we're very fortunate that uh, we're able to do that. And the Westchester Angels were the new guys on the block. And we're getting really good deal flow because we're getting referrals from some of the biggest angel groups in New York City. And it's going to take me out to my old age. There's no shortage of startups. It's a fun space. Certainly intellectual property is part of the conversation a lot of times when we do due diligence.
4: Do you specifically do tech? Do you do all different technologies? Will you do fashion? Will you do consumer products? Or are you in a niche?
0: We look at all industries. We don't go to biotech because that's a very long market validation process, you know, clinical trials. So we're not looking at chemicals or molecules going through trials but we're pretty open to every other industry. We just partnered with Jumpstart Angels in New Jersey, back in your backyard, and uh, we're sharing deal flow with them. And that is a very exciting relationship. But you know, most angel groups would be open to most industries. And then it really gets down to the expertise that you have within your membership once you get into due diligence.
3: So if I'm a CEO and I'm starting a business and I yeah. want to approach an angel group for funding. What do I need to know?
5: The first
0: thing you need to know is that angels only make money if there's an exit. So if you're looking to start a business and grow it, but not to sell it or have an exit, angel investors would not be the place for you to look for funding we only make money upon an exit and They're, by
3: exit you mean the sale of the company of some sort either to a larger company or and usually offering. if the
0: startup says that uh, my exit is an IPO we usually say next
3: uh, that <laughs> rarely
0: happens it's a it's I haven't seen it happen yet in five years with the angels investing uh, even in the, the tri-state area with all the other angel groups and your slide deck, you're just starting your business and you have to tell us simple-minded angels how you're going to sell it. It's kind of like an oxymoron. You're just starting it, but you have to give us a compelling reason of how you're going to scale your business and what your plans are to sell it. You know, ideally a three to five year window. And that's what angel investors look for. If you're looking to grow your business, but you're not looking to sell it, angels would not be for you.
4: So Sandy, do you give a lot of counseling is my first question. And then my second question is, What percentage of the exit funds do you take?
0: It depends upon the cap table. Usually our investors are going to invest anywhere from 10 to 25,000. Some other angels will put more in. If you're investing, it's a constant struggle between increased valuation and dilution in subsequent rounds. I don't know if I could put it in terms of a percentage. Every deal is always different. It's a really collaborative space. All the angel groups in the tri-state area, we collaborate, it's not competition. And this is a risky investment. On average, 70% 70% of angel investments across the country are going to fail. So you shouldn't be investing with house money. You have to be an accredited investor. But we do two things or three things to help eliminate the risk. We do a lot of due diligence. We have a lot of fun along the way. We're serious about investing, but we add a lot of value. We want to help startups succeed, whether we write a checkout or not. And we learned a long time ago that you can't help people that don't want help. We've run into 23-year-olds that have never received a paycheck before in their life. And they seem to have amassed all the business knowledge on the planet at that right young age of 23. You know, I'm I'm still learning. I I keep learning. So we can't help people that don't want help. 99% of the people that come to us, the startups, we're here to help startups. And we're here to help along the way.
3: So Sandy, this has been such a fascinating conversation. You are listening to Passage to Profit on WOR710, The Voice of New York. We'll be back after this break.
5: There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
0: Now back to Passage
3: to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest today, Sandy Wallman. And now we're on to Power Move with Kenya Gibson from iHeart.
6: Kenya. So today on Power Move, we're going to be highlighting Glenn Contave and Idris Brewster. They are two ed tech inventors who just launched this platform called Unsung. And Unsung is a multiplayer augmented reality activity where kids can learn about culture. So basically, they're going to be cataloging American monuments, statues, and making it this like reimagined experience for kids, specifically middle schoolers, to learn about American culture and history. And one thing that they've been able to do already with this platform is they were able to get a grant from Verizon for $1 million, who's going to help the funding and the launch and get this into middle school classrooms moving forward. So they are today's power move today.
0: From an angel investor's point of view, anytime a startup that would be seeking angel investing money, grants are a beautiful thing for uh, for the startup. They get the needed funding, but from an investor's point of view, it doesn't dilute our investment. You know, we're working with a, a a company, they got $1.6 million in grants. That's a beautiful thing all the way around for everybody. Everybody wins. Great.
3: So Kenya, Unsung, any idea why they chose that name? Is it to find monuments and people that have not really gotten the attention they deserve?
6: Correct. So what they found specifically with a lot of Black history and cultural moments, there's a lot of it that goes untaught. you know, in the traditional curriculum and, you know, the American education system. So they wanted to kind of bring to life some of those moments that, you know, have been missed culturally or have not been brought up in past, you know, education. I think we typically learn about like the Civil War. We learn about all these different traditional things and That have happened, and they wanted to create a really cool and interactive way for kids to learn about American culture and Black history. So that's where the unsung piece comes from. So you're right on target, Richard. Awesome.
3: That's really incredible. And how can people find out about the project?
6: Forbes did a write up on it, it's uh, under their Movers and Shakers platform. So they wrote about them there, and you can also go to unsung. You can follow them on Instagram and then you can also find the founders there, which is Glenn Contave and Idris Brewster. So if you Google them, they will pop right up. That's great.
3: So we can hardly wait for that. And now it's time to move on to Fireside. My darling and charming wife, Elizabeth, has started a company, a directory for businesses and...
4: Video directory. A
3: video directory, yes. Uh, So why don't you tell us what's going on in Fireside?
4: I will, but first I have a little surprise for you. What's that? We are taping this on January 13th. Now, January fourteenth is a very important date for Richard and me. It is our wedding anniversary, so I have this big kiss. Oh you.
3: my gosh! Oh, that's thank so you. Nice. That is so sweet. <laughs> <The> anniversary a <laughs> day. Early, I'll be so. happy to give you a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> <Not
4: on here. laughs>
3: I'm going to anyway. Oh, okay.
4: so, so anyway, well,
3: happy anniversary. So he, he uh, has... I've, got, I've got a little rag here for cleaning your glasses. If I, <laughs> I, I know, but I don't think I can top this. So. So
7: he, he is
4: <laughs> my <laughs> anniversary. He is my only investor right now in Fireside. So, Well, why uh, are you
3: taking it and putting it on that side of the table? Because well, you handed
4: it to me. It's anyway, So Fireside <laughs> is the first video directory for small business. And my end game, my goal is for it to be the Wikipedia of small business by video. And yes, Sandy, my plan from the very beginning was to sell this. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> there's no way, And I'm scaling it right now. There's a whole bunch of different pieces to it, but I am happy to announce I'm doing some of the interviews myself. and I started it as a way to make people uncomfortable on video, have somebody they could talk to so they'd be more comfortable on video and they could get a good video themselves representing their business. Now since COVID, We moved out of the studio onto Zoom, which actually helped Fireside because everybody's used to being on Zoom now. So I'm getting tons of videos, but somebody insisted on paying me. So I was doing it for free because the economy is in a shambles right now, but I got my first payment for Fireside. Yay! (laughs) Yay! So I'm continuing forward with this. I've been building it. I filed my LLC last spring. Once I hit 100 videos, I'll move on to the next phase, which will be marketing. So there's a whole lot to it. But anybody with a business can be on it. They can send me a pre-done video or I can interview them if they want a different way to talk about their business. Because the way I do my interviews is really different than the way other people do their interviews. It's all about you and your business. And I interview you as if I were going to hire you. So anyway, I'll let you know more next week. I am so excited about our next presenter. How do you do a wine tasting in the time of quarantine? Well, Brianne Cohen has a virtual wine tasting way to do it. And I went on her website and she has creative ideas. I'm so excited to hear her talk about it. So welcome, Brianne. Thanks so much.
3: And I just want to say that I know how to taste wine, not virtually. I know how to drink wine. (laughs) But please tell us about your project.
8: Of course, of course. So pretty much pre-pandemic in the before times, my business had two arms. I was in a, an event producer, large-scale events, mostly nonprofit, LGBT-focused. As we know, that is not happening right now. You know, that's that side of my business, which was the majority of my business, isn't hibernation. And early on in the pandemic, I mean, my first virtual wine tasting was on March 19th. And when I look back, it just seems like 100 years ago. But I just had this idea. I'm home. I'm a project manager, event producer, type A. I had to put everything to the side. And I'm like, what do I do now? I am a certified sommelier, which means I spent a lot of money and a lot of time uh, studying wine and learning how to drink professionally. I was doing, yeah, I was doing wine education classes before the pandemic. I would go into people's private homes and do wine tasting with friends and family. And then I would also get hired and do wine tastings uh, in corporate spaces, sort of as a team building activity. So imagine, you know, getting a sales team together and maybe we do a blending workshop where everyone has to create their own blend and I get a judge on the best blend and salespeople tend to be very competitive. So that's very fun or (laughs) a blind tasting, for example. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I thought, okay, let's just see if we can do this virtually. I signed up for a zoom account like we all did in mid-march last year tried to figure it out and i thought you know what i'm going to do this public tasting i'm going to do it free i'm going to just see what happens and you know maybe my mom will sign up and a couple of my friends i had 120 people sign up for that class and I was like, oh gosh, what am I going to do here? And I just sort of winged it and figured it out and realized that we were all, even March of last year, we were all striving to connect in different ways, right? We were scared, very uncertain with what was going on in the world. So we wanted to try and connect with people. And what I learned over the next few months was that having some sort of a shared sensory experience on Zoom took it to the next level, right? We all quickly got on Zoom, whether it's for friends and family, business meetings and things like that, but it is a little flat. It's a little one. Dimensional. And so you have to sort of have some kind of a shared experience. In my case, what I did is I actually sourced with wineries. I sourced wineries that were doing these little baby bottles of wine. So instead of having people having to commit and buy three, four, five, six bottles of wine, which is expensive, number one, and also Who's gonna open that much wine at one time, especially if you're sheltering in well, place? Well, I, there it's are funny. people
3: out there that would do that.
8: <laughs> Every time I say that, there's always a few that are like, "Well, that's no problem <laughs> <In my laughs> house, <yeah. laughs> But you know, it was one of those like, okay, I wanted to mimic that tasting room experience. You know, we were all enriching ourselves at home, so you know, what what did that feel like when you walked into a wine tasting room and they gave you the glasses with all the little pores? and I was like, how are we going to do this with these big bottles and nobody's going to open 20 glasses of wine on one night at one, on one call. So I found the wineries that were, you know, literally repurposing their bottles. I call these little Alice in Wonderland bottles, you know, Um, and you get these beautiful kits shipped to your house. And I, as a certified sommelier, lead the group in a wine tasting. So we, we get to have that shared experience. I'm teaching people and helping people become better wine tasters, help improve their wine drinking experience. My my style is sort of, you know, fun, very fun, approachable. How I'm talking to y'all right now is exactly how I approach my classes. And I do mostly corporate tasting. So this is sort of broken up the monotony of Zoom happy hour every Friday with your work, right? That lasted in the beginning. That was okay. You know, week 52, we need something else. Yeah, you need know I mean? a little
3: something different.
8: Yeah. You need to jazz it up. So they're doing things like cooking classes and wine tasting and trivia and things like that. And, and it's just really, really fun for people to be able to, like I said, that, that sensory experience I think is important important where, you know, you can talk to, you know, I can be like, okay, Sandy, what are you getting on this Pinot Noir? And then, you know, Ken, you might have some same thoughts and feelings about it. And it's just really fun to have groups, whether it's 10 people, I've done up to 300 people at one time, and we're all tasting and enjoying the wines together. So that's wow, the
1: that deal. Wow, that
3: sounds like so much fun. So let me ask you a business type question. Are you planning for this to be a lifestyle business or are you thinking of trying to grow it into something bigger? And if you're trying to grow it, how are you going to do it?
8: I have a lot of thoughts around that. I mean, you know, my business pre-pandemic, like I mentioned, had two arms, event production and wine education. I also write about wine. I judge in international wine competitions, things like that. So I do see this as part of a lifestyle business. And yes, the intention and idea is to grow and scale. And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out now, because right now the service and the product is me, right? My education, my style. There's a lot of people doing what I'm doing. I'm not the only one. And so when you think about scaling, obviously you're thinking about how do you replicate yourself? How do you hire people or educators who can do the same thing I do and provide the same vibe maybe that people are seeking out? Because there's a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people know a lot about wine. There's a lot of people that teach wine, but there's been a gap in the market and that you have sort of the old school way of doing it. And then the new school way, I'm definitely more in the new school. You know, I'm not coming on the zoom call and uh, intimidating people and talking about Grand Cru, you know, Bordeaux wines that they will never taste in their lives. We're sitting there and Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the questions I get mostly are, are there actually plums and cherries in the wine? When I talk about things that I smell and taste in wine, people don't. Actually, no, they, they've never felt comfortable asking those questions. So I, I tell them this is your wine safe space and any questions are allowed. But yes, the scaling, that's that's kind of actually where I'm at now that struggle of do I keep this business as myself, just solely doing the education or do I hire other educators to replicate what I do? And I'm also you know in a in a unique position, I think like some entrepreneurs where you have pivoted your business for during COVID. And so now my business is 100% virtual. That's exact. That's that's what it is. So what does the reverse pivot look like? How is this business going to survive in a post-COVID world? Right, when everyone's vaccinated in a year or so or whatever, and we're moving around in the world. What does that look like?
0: Well, certainly there's a lot of excitement, and enthusiasm. That is really important part of the conversation. But I didn't hear the magic word. I want to sell my company. Scale. That's really important. You want to. Everybody wants to scale their business and, and get money coming in. But if I'm an angel investor looking at you as a potential investment, I want to know. And again, this is a real challenge for all these startups is you just start your business and you got to tell us how you're going to sell it or if you want to sell it.
8: I totally understand. And, you know, the unique thing in the wine industry, like I mentioned, there have been all sorts of different communicators about wine over the last I would say 30 years, a lot of the big people are, for example, uh, Robert Parker is a big one, Steven Spurrier, people, you know, sort of household names. Uh, like I mentioned, that's sort of the old school way. And we have millennials now that are obviously of drinking age. They've been of drinking age for a while and things are changing. Even
3: pre-drinking age. And it, exactly. <laughs>
8: And I do think that there is a unique space uh, for someone or a group of people or a business to come in and communicate, be able to communicate effectively to this younger generation about a product that is typically considered, you know, expensive, elitist, out of reach, out of touch.
3: Brianna, it has been absolutely marvelous speaking with you. You've got a great thing going. Love your personality. I think having you at one of our parties would be so totally <laughs> Will fun. be will, so totally Everybody yes, we are
8: doing this. That would be this.
3: great. And how can people get in touch with you?
8: Of course, uh, you can find me at briennecohen.com and on all the social media channels, my handle is Somspirations, Wine Inspirations oh, from a Somali. Well, that's
3: a clever name. You should trademark that if you have Right, haven't.
4: and Brianne is spelled B-R-I-A-N-N-E, C-O-H-E-N, Cohen.com. And I assume you're on LinkedIn too. Correct. All
3: right, well, great. We'll, we'll be right back with more Passage to Profit right after this message.
7: Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? Make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askleys, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, Lisa, at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com.
3: Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We've been having just the best time and we just got done talking about wine tasting, which if you haven't had a chance to hear the full program, you need to go to our website where you can pick up a podcast. You can go to the iHeart application where you can also download the podcast, plus all the other podcast sites.
4: But also go to our YouTube channel, please, and please subscribe. You can see everybody's beautiful faces there.
3: And plus you get the visuals too. Yeah,
4: we cut in visuals of things like the funny patent we talked about today.
3: Yeah, if you can't wait to see that, then (laughs) you should tune in.
4: Yeah,
3: But we're not going to go over that old horse. So yes, listen
4: to the podcast, go to our YouTube channel. It's kind of fun to see the people. And uh, now we have somebody really great coming up with a fun thing.
3: I know, more foodie type of things. (laughs) Um, So we have with us Catherine Kelly. And whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? So... Catherine's going to be talking about what she does in Vegas that stays in (laughs) Vegas.
1: So welcome to the
3: show, Catherine. Tell us what you're up to.
1: Thank you. So what we do, we we host food tours and a food tour is essentially like a city tour. And you go from restaurant to restaurant, exploring the city, but through food. And so it kind of gives you a more intimate look into the city so that you get to try what the locals really like, what the locals get to see, instead of having that like really extravagant Las Vegas experience. So a lot of visitors come to Vegas and they think that there's only gaming, drinking, nightclubs, pool parties, like stuff like that. And people don't really know that anything else exists. Even right now, like the city's not open. I mean, it's open, but like no nightclubs or anything big like that. But this gives visitors another look into what Las Vegas has to offer. And me being born and raised from Las Vegas, I saw the city definitely from a different angle and I got to see it grow and I got to see it change. But locals don't ever go to the Strip. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so and then what we do and I actually worked on the strip for a very long time but when we do go on the strip we don't do really what the tourists do we we have our favorite places and all of the industry workers like we we know all of the really good places to go to on the strip or off the strip so I decided I wanted to show people what they actually need to be doing to get like a real Las Vegas experience if they wanted to see the city in a more intimate way. So everything's kind of based around food. Like in this day and age, everybody's a huge foodie. Everybody wants to know like, where's the best place to eat? and whether it's on the strip or off the strip we have tours for you um, and we take you to probably depending on the tour but an average about five places and you try a bunch of small dishes that those restaurants have to offer for a complete meal it's an amazing experience and you could try a bunch of different cuisines a bunch of variety from like super casual to high-end you can get cocktails drinks wine um, with your experience. Sometimes you get to meet the chef and then you get to meet like real Las Vegas locals and just have this like feeling like I'm going to a big city. I don't know about anything that's here, but I now have my tour guide who is like my friend and we show you around and we give you a good time and we give you like real genuine answers of what it's like to live in Las Vegas.
3: That sounds really great. So it's really interesting that you bring this up because when I think of Las Vegas, I do think of the glitz and the glamour and the gambling and the way it's presented in TV TV shows, I didn't appreciate that there's another side. So how would you sort of characterize the real Las Vegas, the culture? What's the food like? Special cuisine culture, for example, that people wouldn't know about?
1: The food culture in Vegas has changed quite a bit. So when I was growing up, I remember it was all about like large portions, cheap meals. You just want to like get your food and get going. So I remember some of the places don't exist anymore, but like there was this place called the Westward Ho. It was a casino know right in the middle of the strip across from the riviera and they used to have like a dollar foot long hot dogs and this thing was like this big and you could get it for like a dollar and they would have like dollar shrimp cocktails you could go anywhere and get like a breakfast for 99 cents two eggs sausage bacon so it was all about like best bargain that does not exist anymore about 10 years ago maybe about 15 we started to see like a little bit of a change towards the celebrity dining culture. And then it was all about these huge chefs, like big name chefs, and they would super upscale high-end restaurants. And so then you kind of had this extreme, either like you're spending top dollar for high-end celebrity chef dining experience, or you have like a super low end. But now what's happened is a lot of chefs who trained in all of these restaurants, super talented, But they realize that there's this market and an evolving scene here in the city. And so they've left the strip, they've opened up their own restaurants and they've taken their creativity and they've done marvelous things with the food and food culture and how creative they are. So now we have a little bit of everything. And actually Vegas, I would say now is like locally chef driven.
0: Catherine, good luck on your new business venture. It's very exciting. How do you get your platform in front of your users? I mean, are you working with hotel concierges or how do you know who's coming into Vegas so they could use your platform?
1: We use other platforms such as like TripAdvisor, Expedia, Airbnb. um, And we also have a website. So for like people looking for things to do. So that would, I would say that those are our biggest avenues for people to come and find us.
0: Right. So how, how do you drive traffic to your website? That's really important.
1: Just CEO optimization and Google ads. So yes. those are always changing and evolving. So we're always trying to figure those have,
0: out. Have you thought about reaching out to bigger hotel concierges? Because we're travelers and we usually rely on the concierge to tell us where to go. I would think that would be a, a pretty good way for you to uh, spread the word about your services through hotel concierges?
1: This has been done. I mean, I've tried to do this. So there are a little bit of issues because the hotels, um, they kind of control the market and so if you're not going to their restaurants and staying inside their property they really don't want to sell your tours so it's difficult so we do and you just have to keep trying and pushing to get the concierge to actually want to sell your tours that's difficult yeah I mean, whether they're, they they're, they're getting
0: money from the back end from the from the restaurants as well i, I know how that all works
1: well yeah. everybody works off a of commission so i mean if anybody here is going to be like selling your tours everybody wants commission but sometimes it's more than just that they want you to stay in the hotels we might take Them to one restaurant in their hotel, but we're going to take them everywhere because we want to give you like an actual true Las Vegas experience, like that the locals would go to.
3: It sounds to me though that there is a market for your service for sure. And uh, how long have you been in business and, and have you done a lot of tours?
1: Yeah, so we started about five years ago. And so we really, really started growing. And I think food tours in general, like it gives other people an option for things to do in the city. And since gaming and like nightclubs haven't been as popular for the younger crowd coming into to Las Vegas, we offer that other option to do and people really, really love it. Like we've gotten amazing feedback and then COVID happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like totally, you know, like everything was shut down. And so big obstacle was just like um, well, we can't run, like there's nothing we could do. And I did think about doing like a virtual experience, like a classroom or something. And maybe like you guys can give me some feedback on what You would like to see like food related that a food tour company could do.
3: Catherine, where can people reach you?
1: You can visit our website for information on the tours at tastebuzzvegas.com. We also have social media, so Facebook and Instagram at tastebuzzfoodtours. And then if you wanted to get a hold of me personally, Kathy underscore fit underscore foodie on Instagram. That's Kathy with a K. Kathy with a K.
3: That's fantastic. And this is Passage to Profit. Stay tuned. We've got more to come on WOR710, the voice of New York.
5: What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. hartlaw.com Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
3: Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart.
4: And if you're just tuning in, you missed some great stuff, but you can catch it on our podcast tomorrow, or you can see it on our YouTube channel. And we're also all over social media, Passage to Profit Show. Our final presenter is somebody who I spoke to. And I just think what she does is so different and so cool. And I'm going to let her explain it. Her name is Alicia Myronic and she has Myrony.
2: Welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here and it's been amazing to meet everyone else. But yeah, Myrony is a word I've created where it's my irony and it's the crazy coincidences that happen in life that we can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity, but it actually has its own definition because it's synchronicity in motion. We may see a sign, but then there's an action we can take when we trust that inner knowing. So yes, everyone has these myronic experiences, just not the way I spell my last name because that's actually how it's pronounced. (laughs) And so that's my irony, which I have a podcast. And I'm also creating a movement for people to share their myronies in addition to their selfies on social media. Because my irony is literally the opposite of selfie.
3: Fascinating. Can you explain that a little bit more?
2: I guess the person who's going to be creating this has to have some crazy stories, right? My story started 16 years ago when my father was terminally ill. And I was basically engaged and married in six days in the same hospital I was born in. My dad was in hospice care in the hospital. And so I was actually born, engaged and married in the same hospital. So if anybody wants to hear this crazy story, you go to my podcast, That's Myrony and explain this whole story. But I would see these signs that like literally the first wedding dress I tried on ended up being the dress of my dreams. The shoes were the last pair of my size. The day before I got married, it was torrential downpour where the reception was going to be in the courtyard of this hospital. It was such torrential downpour. I was joking, like, what are you going to do? The only option was to be in the cafeteria of this hospital. And that's when I said, I truly said, if there truly is a God, he will not take this away from my father. And the next day was one of the most beautiful days I ever witnessed in my life. It was, I'm actually from New Jersey. I'm in San Jose, California now, but it was a California day. You guys on the East Coast, you know, after a rain like that, it'd be humid, hot, humid, end of August. It was mid seventies. Not a cloud in the sky, not a drop of rain. So that's when I started recognizing these signs. And then about five years ago, when I was in sales, people would ask, Hey, how do you say your last name? I say it's like ironic with an M. And then I would add, there's a lot of Myrony in my life. And I get a little chuckle. (laughs) And then again, would see these signs. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is a universal word for everybody my irony it's your own personal irony whatever you want to say but you know it's these signs that we we can't explain and so i really would love to see people share this on their social media give another form of content besides just selfies Because my irony is something so much
6: greater than ourselves. I love this. I think this is great because there's a lot of signs I've had in my own life where I'm like, hmm, that means something, right? Mm -hmm. I guess my question for you, how do you know when you see a sign, right? And then the second part of my question is, then what do you do? Like, when do you know when to follow? Like, what discernment? Like, how do you exercise that?
2: So one of the biggest things with this is you'll see a sign and just pay attention to it. Just even acknowledging it, but really then trust that intuitive pull that you get, that gut feeling, because when you have that gut feeling, chances are there's something you can do in addition to that. So I actually have a really funny irony that Elizabeth, you brought up about Instigate AI. I actually know the founder, Mark Cantor. But here's the biggest irony. It's actually his birthday today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Happy birthday, Mark. We'll have to tell him we gave him a shout out today. <laughs> yeah, that's my irony. So going back to you, Kenya, you will, you'll have this feeling. You'll be like, oh, that's really funny. And then sometimes it's almost like we got to get hit upside the head and you'll see it a couple of times. But when you start seeing it, but when you really, really become in tune to it, I actually say we discover my irony and our inner superpower and that inner superpower, I like to call mine, my spiritual spidey sense, but it's that awareness, that deeper awareness that when you really become in tuned with it. Then you start seeing the pieces that connect to our puzzle we call life.
3: So do you believe in karma?
2: I do believe in karma, yes.
3: And how does that compare with myrony? I mean, how do those two pieces work together?
2: Well, I mean, karma is on a much, much bigger scale. Myrony really is just an—it's a new way of looking at synchronicity. I think it's a more modern way of saying synchronicity. But why I say it's synchronicity in motion is that I have discovered that when people and a lot of entrepreneurs will experience a lot of ironies because um, sometimes it's that chance meeting that is then ends up being the biggest catalyst.
0: You know, I think there's no shortage of really unique ideas out there. This is certainly a very unique idea. Angels, we always like to see businesses that are created out of a personal experience. A personal need. I think it's fantastic. I mean, you know, there, there could be a lot with social media, these types of ideas can really skyrocket very, very quickly. You know, the challenge that you're going to have is, you know, you're going to be a B2C, you know, not a B2B. And that's the same with Catherine and Brianna is that you're B2C and that, you know, you're doing business in increments at a time as compared to doing B2B where you get big contracts. So that's always going to be the challenge for your businesses as each one of you scale. I just want to add to uh,
3: your comments, Alicia, about entrepreneurs. So Gerhardt Law was started as an entrepreneurial endeavor after I left Novartis Pharmaceuticals as the head of intellectual property there. And a lot of the decisions, you just don't have time to make or fully research every decision that you're going to make. And so you do have to make a lot of gut decisions. And of course, sometimes you can make the wrong ones. But I think that everyone who's in the early stages of the business has to have some sort of sense or gut or something to move at the speed that they need to move at to make their project work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the strongest things is that when we can trust our own inner knowing, that's one of the things I always tell people, just trust that. When our mind that decides to play the hamster wheel just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. It's just like, take a moment, sit with your heart and your soul and and feel what is that really saying? And it's really amazing. And when people start becoming more in tuned with these signs, You'll just be amazed. Literally miracles in your life and in others will happen. It's really incredible. I really feel like right now people are looking
4: inside more. Really, Because they got
3: no place to go. Right. But I mean, where else <laughs>
4: do you look? But how do you pick people for your podcast? Like, If I want to be on your podcast with my weird cat story or whatever, how do you choose who gets to go on?
2: I ask people, if you have a myrony that you want to share, you know, that your, your your stories, and that's why entrepreneurs definitely, there's so many hills and valleys in what we do. And chances are, if you have a story you want to tell, I would love to have you as a guest on my podcast.
4: Excellent. People can find you at the website. That's myrony, M-Y-R-O-N-Y.com.
2: Correct. Yep. And I'm all on social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and then anybody who wants to email me can uh, email me at Alicia at That's My So that's A-L-Y-S-H-A at That's My
3: that's great so listeners if you're interested in sharing your myronic story
2: yes it's actually uh, myronic by all
3: means, <laughs> uh, make sure that you contact alicia
4: or if you want to hear myronic stories listen to our podcast yeah yes I'm, I'm
3: intrigued. this could be a new thing so thank you very much for joining us you're listening to passage to profit be right back we've got some more coming up after this commercial message
5: there's never been a better time to start your own business the opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearheartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
3: Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. This has been such an incredibly fun show. I've had such a good time. Right.
4: We're coming to the end of the show. If you've missed it, don't worry. Go to our YouTube channel, go to our podcast. We're on all the major podcasting platforms. Go to iHeart first, of course, because this is an iHeart show, Passage to Profit show. Our guest was an angel investor, Sandy Wolman at westchesterangels.com. And you can find him on LinkedIn. We had our power move segment, which is pretty cool. With Kenya Gibson, Gibson with a P, Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. So iHeart does a lot in the digital advertising space. They're cutting edge. They do a lot with radio stations, obviously.
3: And as we say every show, Dear Heart Law has been dependent on iHeart Digital Services. For several years, they're fantastic. They've got brilliant people and their stuff really works well.
4: And we say advertising on radio is an effective, low-cost solution compared to TV or what have you. So if you have any needs like that, Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. Dot com. Then we had Brianne Cohen, virtual wine tasting, and she has got this really great way of doing it. And it's really fun. And she puts herself into it, and her personality is to die for it. It's bubbly. You want to be her best friend because <laughs> she's so <laughs> fun. So her website is B R I A N N E C O H E N dot com Cohen.com. then we had katherine kelly with las vegas food tours and her website is tastebuzzvegas.com and she's doing some really great things and what i love about her it's like you get tapas but you get a little bit of tapas from a whole bunch of different restaurants so you could try korean food one bite and the next bite could be mexican food and yeah, etc. She, she'll it's bring cool.
3: you the authentic Las Vegas.
4: Yeah, she knows all about Las Vegas from a local's perspective. So that is really fun, too. And then we had Alicia Myronic with That's Myrony, dot com, talking about all the coincidences in life that really lead you the direction you're supposed to be going. And she has a podcast.
3: I bet if you tune into the podcast, you'll get a better sense of your own Myrony.
4: I think you will, and it'll help you connect. Anyway, just very, very
3: interesting project. That's great. So before we sign off, any final words from our guest this evening, Sandy?
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had a really good time. And I want to wish all the young ladies the best of luck in scaling your business. And thank you for including me. I'm very grateful.
3: Well, that's great. It was great having you. And we really enjoyed having you on the show. So you added a
6: lot of value. Thank you, you. added you. a
3: lot.
0: Well, thank of- you. I'm glad to.
3: Kenya?
6: Yeah, I just want to say it was a great show. A lot of great insight, great ideas, and an awesome exchange. So I wish everyone the best as well.
3: That's great. So this is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart on Passage to Profit. You're listening to us on WOR710, The Voice of New York.